0: Inside Books with Breeda Brown.
1: Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breeda Brown, and in each episode of Inside Books, we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers, and more. You'll find Inside Books on all audio platforms, and our Twitter handle is at InsideBooks IRE, where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. Now, in this episode... We want to have a really good chat about writing for various children's age groups, so I'm delighted to be joined by Deirdre Sullivan, who is a multi-award winning Irish author who writes for young adults, and Sam Thompson, who's an English author who has been long listed for the Man Booker Prize, and he's just written his first children's book. So, before we get stuck into the chat, let's have a look at uh, the background of this dynamic duo, as I'll call you. Deirdre Sullivan has written 10 books in just 10 years and titles you'll recognise are the well-known Prim Trilogy as well as Needlework and Savage Her Reply, which won the Teen and Young Adult Book of the Year at the On Post Irish Book Awards in 2020 as well as the KPMG Children's Books Ireland Book of the Year Award this year. Her short fiction has appeared in the Dublin Review and Banshee while last year her story Little Lives won Short Story of the Year at the Irish Book Awards and her first play Wake debuted in Galway in February 2019. From Galway, she now lives in Dublin, she's also a teacher and she's just published her first book for adults. Sam Thompson is an author who grew up in the south of England. He now lives in Belfast where he teaches English and creative writing at Queen's University. His first book was called Communion Town and was long listed for the Man Booker Prize in 2012, while his next one, Jot, described as being about friendship, madness and modernism was shortlisted for the 2019 Encore Award. He's taken a totally different route with his latest book, Wolf's Tongue as it's a fantasy adventure novel for children based on a hidden world where the animals speak and sam says it was inspired by his own experience of having a son with speech difficulties his fiction and criticism has appeared in the likes of the times literary supplement london review of books the tangerine and also on bbc radio 4 now guys firstly i'd love to get a sense of where your passion for writing has come from deirdre were you were you always writing even as a child Um,
2: I think I was always hungry for story. Um, Like, I always loved to read. I always was very interested in the stories people would tell, like my parents' stories about their childhood or um, kind of like my bedtime stories, you know, like all of that. And I would often, like, make up my own stories in my head. So I really, I just wanted there to be more worlds. I wanted there to be more tales. Like, I was really hungry for them. And I think, like, me being a writer was born of that because if you want more storage, you know, start making it up. <laughs> exactly. And a lot of writers actually say that. But you
1: actually then only really started taking writing seriously when you were doing a, a master's. Why did, why did it take
2: so long? Um, Well, I'd always written right up along. And I think that there's a certain amount of um kind of, I suppose, trepidation in sharing your work. And kind of my work would be, I write fiction, but I write deeply felt work. Um And when I initially started sharing my work in in, um, college, it was poetry, um, poetry and drama. And I found it very, very daunting to share it with people. Um, And that is what, like, it wasn't a lack of writing, a lack of being a writer. It was, it was fully just the, that anxiety about taking that step to showing your work. Why was that? Well, I suppose, like, Growing up, I, I knew what a teacher looks like because my mom was a teacher. I knew what a doctor looked like because I'd been to the doctor. Do you know what I mean? I didn't know what a writer looked like. You know, we had books on the shelves, but I had no real idea of how a book got into a bookshop. You know, kind of, um, I knew they come came from people like, I mean, it's a big fan of like Thomas Cochran, Roald Dahl. Um, but I just, I didn't know. It felt like a bit like wanting to be a wizard. Do you know, it felt a bit notionsy. Um, to want to be a writer. And I suppose I just had to get over that. And it was Siobhan Parkinson
1: who was teaching you on a course at one point helped you get over that.
2: Yeah, so that would have been um, a few years later after I completed my master's, I went back to do primary teaching and um, kind of at that stage I had gotten over like my kind of fear to a large extent. And I was much more comfortable sharing my work, which was lucky because it was sharing my work with Siobhan that did give me that very first step towards becoming a published writer.
1: And was it, I suppose, a natural instinct for you to want to write for children?
2: Yes, actually, I always um, I always really like I mean, I'm a primary school teacher. I always was really drawn to adolescence and say kind of even with the fiction that I consumed or the fiction that I write for older people, there will often be a teenage protagonist because I just I'm really fascinated by that liminal space between childhood and adulthood. you know kind of where you are deciding what kind of person you want to be but also the limitations of what you can decide for yourself are crashing up against you i find that really um really inspiring um endlessly inspiring in fact um so that was yeah i think it's like writing young adult fiction is my is my happy place as a writer
1: and sam your writing
2: background is actually quite
1: different to deirdre's because your work initially focused on writing for adults
0: yeah that's right but at the same time i think I, I kind of would echo, I think, pretty much everything Deirdre has just said about, the, you know, the, the kind of the nature of the pathway that, I mean, for me as well, I, you know, writing, you know, caring about stories, wanting to make more of them, all of that is just, was just something that I was always, always seemed to be doing and to, to have been doing, and I find it quite hard to I feel like by now I should have a good answer to the question of you know how, how did you know you wanted to be a writer? How did you become one? But I, d- I kind of don't really. You know, it's just it's just a thing that has was always there, and I just and and always just kind of kept doing as well, and kept coming back to, um, and so yeah, my the, the first book I I eventually published was um, a book of for grown-ups, um, but that I mean the, the kind of that's not really a distinction that seems particularly uh, important to me actually. You know, I, I think. You know in a way when you write something that you care about you're writing it for yourself whether that's your your current self or your child self and you're writing that in a kind of you know trust that by writing something that means something to you it will it will then mean something to to other readers who, who have you know who, who encounter it um so so i mean that that does that didn't that doesn't feel particularly important to me it just you know it it felt to me you know that it happened that that was the first book that i i got together that, that seemed to you know, find its way out into the world. But I was writing away, writing lots of lots of stuff that didn't really work or didn't really make sense for you know for many many years. Um, and uh, you know, just just was always a thing that I, I sort of knew was important, and I knew I was going to uh, stick to. Um, when I from writing Wolf's Tongue, actually, um, I I think I kind of discovered something or, or remembered something that I had sort of forgotten about about the reasons for writing as well. Because you know, it's a book about uh, a a person, a, a boy who has a lot of trouble with language, who who feels that language isn't isn't necessarily his friend, or, or the kind of the world of language beyond him is a difficult world. Um, and that was you know, that was my experience when I was small as well. And it's so it just sort of writing it I, took me back into um, that kind of. Uh, that kind of experience and reminded me that I think one probably one reason that I certainly for me and I suspect probably other writers too may may end up continuing to be writers and, and to write is because language is, is difficult for you and because you know you you find that um you know you, it's something that you that you need to kind of struggle with or try and make sense of or that baffles you and and so by what by engaging with it in that slightly kind of obsessive way um, you know, it, it it sort of it, it draws you into becoming, uh, you know, a, a writer, into wanting to to kind of to, to to work with language in a kind of special space of of fiction or of writing, where where it does kind of where it does do everything that that it's that you, that you want it to do.
1: You've you've said as well that um, your son inspired you know you writing this book. Do you think if if that hadn't have been the case, would you have written a children's book? I don't know.
0: I mean, not not necessarily. Um, i mean i of course you know have, having children um realigns your kind of focus in all kinds of ways i guess um and but but i mean certainly you know it it, it came it felt like an an important kind of an immediate project to me because i, I wanted to make it for, for my own children um but um but like i said i mean i i, I do also I, I think it's interesting the way that you know, of course, when we talk about these things, it's like kind of we, we draw lines between different different categories of books, but um, it doesn't actually feel to me like a very different kind of book from from the couple of grown up books I've I've written. Um, and um, I was interested to see, Deirdre, you, you've done a book of, of short stories for grown ups, and I've also just finished writing a book of short stories for grown ups. And um, I mean, I, I you know, working on you know books for for younger readers and for you know for grown-up readers, it you know, that they talk to each other in all kinds of ways, I think. And of course you you tell you you express what's in it in a different way if you're writing for children. And I find that very liberating. You know, I, I you know I love to write something fantastical and to, you know, to, to work a story through um you know through action and and kind of an event and um in ways that you can do perhaps in a children's book in a different way from from what you might call I don't know a literary novel or whatever um but but it's but it's it's the same thing that you're doing i think and and a lot of the you know the the kind of the pleasures and the purposes are the same and different
2: yeah yeah it's a a different um like you have a different audience in mind but kind of like you said you like you know kind of i think largely writers write for themselves at least initially you know that first draft is kind of it's you and your brain right you know um So you're kind of taking an idea for a walk or seeing where it can go, if it has legs, um, you know, kind of what what questions you want to answer um, by pursuing this thread. And it's kind of like, obviously, when I have a readership in mind for my work, you know, if I'm working on a young adult novel, I will think about, you know, kind of the teenage reader. If I'm working on something for adults, I don't really think about a reader at all, to be honest. Um, That kind of, I feel like I can be more selfish there. There's less... But I don't limit myself um, writing for teenagers either. Like I don't and I don't think it would be helpful if I would. I don't think it would be good for the book, you know. So can you put yourself I was
1: going to say, could you can you do you put yourself in the in the mind of that teenager or do you just set that aside and and write and just be conscious of the language I suppose you're using that will be applicable to that age group?
2: Um, Yeah, it's kind of you just you just write like I mean, we're all people. You know, (laughs) Um, and kind of if you can write a character in a historical setting, you can write a character like we've all been teenagers as well. Um, And I know that it is a different space now um, with kind of how pervasive um, technology has become since, you know, since even I grew up. Um, And things are changing and shifting all the time. But like, I think like the humanity, like the desires, the worries, like all of those things stay the same, like at our core. Like we are all just people.
0: Absolutely, and I mean one thing that I also really you know, love about writing for children is that I, it kind of it, it imposes a different kind of discipline on you. I think you know that it to, to me anyway. Um, and you know, like you say, in in a certain way, I suppose writing for grown-ups, you you're more free-floating. Um, you know, you, you you are you you can think of yourself as just speaking to yourself in the first place. But writing for children. At the same time, that you're always going to be thinking. Partly, are they going to stick with this? Is this going to work for them? And you know, you're kind of, and you you have a kind of um, ideal reader quite close at hand, uh, in in a way. You know, whether that's your own child or you know your own sense of yourself as a child, you know, you, you can, you you can kind of inhabit that reader in your head, and that that to me like puts a uh, a different kind of discipline on the story, mm-hmm. and just means that you know you can it helps you kind of guide guide you through every every kind of sentence really thinking is this is this sentence that that works for that reader and to me that's a really um you know really kind of enjoyable way that the story shapes itself as you write it
1: and it is very much as you say about creating that emotional connection but also making your stories quite memorable
0: i mean i suppose yes i mean i suppose you would hope that every story is wants to be memorable i suppose in its in its own way um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you think of. It. I mean, it's just seems to me that um, writing, I mean, a sort of the, the the kind of the the principle of kind of fun and pleasure and excitement is just always going to you know be 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 quite important in writing for for young younger people and 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 you know that that's that's just a, a thing that will shape the story. I think.
1: And yeah. you mentioned, Sam, as well, that obviously you have a, you know, a son that can can road test the book for you. Um, sure, do, yeah. do you widen that out to other children or, Deirdre, what, what do you do with young adults? Do you um, ask people to have a read of it as you're writing it just to get a sense of what they think?
2: Oh, God, no. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't. Um, there are a couple of people I would message, um, you know, if I had a particular question about language. So kind of, you know for example um you know if there was if there was something that I didn't know what you would call it you know um or kind of I felt like okay I have this word that I use is that the word that you would use so I would have like um one or two trusted people that I would message and ask you know and kind of dance around that with but I've only done that like twice over my books um and it's been very helpful both times but um Largely, I just kind of, yeah, I just trust my instinct and trust my gut. Like, I think if I was, um, like, it's going to go through an editorial process anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that if I was concerned about the reader or a particular teenage reader rather than kind of the readership, you know, um, I think it'd kill it for me.
1: And you, Deirdre, I mean, you're dealing with an awful lot of... Topics, you know, interesting topics, um, and you don't shy away from the tough topics, you know, such as, as we say, you know, domestic violence. You've, you've dealt with quite a lot. So, again, are you, are you toning that back at times before the age group? Or are you just being straight out there with it?
2: Um, no, I'm absolutely not toning it back. Um, I am, I am very straight out. Now, you would hope. Um, when I say straight out, I mean I am searching for an honest human truth. I am searching for an emotional core. Obviously, if you handle um if you handle sexual violence, if you handle um domestic abuse, you know, you have to do so sensitively. You know, you have to do so with tenderness and with compassion and with care and research. Um, you know, there is no um, you know, otherwise you could be veering into exploitation territory, mm-hmm. and that's not um anywhere I want to take my fiction. Um, you want to be searching for that truth and like to kind of like I don't write to answer questions. I write to ask questions. But I've got an awful, awful lot of questions about the way the world is. And I don't think I'm alone in that.
1: And Sam, you're aiming at, again, a younger age group, probably about nine plus. So, again, how conscious are you of the the language? Or are you keen to get a moral across in in your stories?
0: I wouldn't think of it that way, actually. No, I mean, I, I... I would be very suspicious or kind of doubtful about the idea that uh, that a story has a has a kind of message uh, exactly in it um and and i would also be very doubtful of the idea that you i mean that you would kind of you know do sort of i don't know constrain the language in any way as well i think that's you know i mean a book a book has a voice and you know it will it will kind of want to speak in in a sort of particular voice um, but I think the idea that you sort of turn down some kind of dial on the language, or on any or any kind of aspect of the story, um, just doesn't seem relevant to me. I don't think it's. I don't. I don't think that's how it works at all. Um, uh, so, so no. I mean, I, I don't. I, I don't. I wouldn't think of it in those terms. I would just think into think of it in terms of you know th- this is a story that that wants you know to be told in a certain way, um, and I mean, it's you know I, I i agree i mean i think i think there's it, again it it's sort of it seems to me a kind of understandable but kind of a sort of strange side effect of what happens when you try to kind of talk about um you know books and readers and things that that we that the, the kind of the idea that you might kind of be you know you know addressing a certain audience in a very calculated way might you know that anything like that so i think it's it's natural that we would that, that that idea might kind of arise but i just don't think it's true to the process um and so, so, yeah, I mean that that's 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 how it feels to me,
1: and I was gonna say, looking then at the practical side of obviously writing a book, i mean, how long, how long does it take you, Sadutra, so, how long usually does it take?
2: um, it varies it like like, and I mean it really, really varies um, <laughs> I have done I've turned around a book in a year before, um I've done a first draft in a month, um, and one of my more yeah, my book that came out just before savage her apply um perfectly preventable deaths was um seven years right really okay and and why was that um it, it just needed to be rewritten loads of times it needed like 14 15 drafts before it was um it was ready for publication um so i kind of would have redrafted it several times myself then i would have redrafted it for my agent done another one before submission then on acceptance done a few more you know what i mean it just it's just part of the process, like the book needed it. Um, and I think possibly because, I mean, before Perfectly Preventable Deaths, um, I'd written largely contemporary um, and retellings. So with retellings, you're kind of inhabiting someone else's house and you're changing the furniture a little bit or you're kind of looking out the window a little differently, you know, but you have, you have a very like solid framework to operate within. Um, and with contemporary, I mean, it's in our world. So that's, you know, we know like we know what milk is, we know, you know, that kind of way. But um with perfectly preventable deaths, it's in our world, but there's different magical systems and there's different um kind of like ways of being and there are a lot of secrets and I wanted I had to kind of work out how to make those like make those like more explicit i suppose because my my problem wasn't that um that i was giving too much away it was that i wasn't giving enough away because like i was like i know in my head how it works (laughs) you know that kind of that kind of thing um so it just needed it needed it and like different books need different things you know
1: and which do you think you prefer the retelling or the the contemporary stories
2: oh god retelling um i love retelling I love diving into um, an old story. I love researching them. I love reading about, like, oh, I just, well, I suppose, no, listen, Brita, this is coming from the fact that I'm writing a contemporary book at the moment, and I'm, like, just at the end of it. <laughs> and I, I want to work on another retelling next. So that's, like, my attractive new project. <laughs> so it's very, like, grass is greener, you know? Oh,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> illustrations then as well are so important for particularly for younger younger children's books and sam you know wolf's tongue it's beautifully illustrated by anna tromop so how did both of you team up
0: i mean the, the teaming up with with anna you know who i think you know is absolutely the ideal person to to illustrate the books you know i i i agree it's it's wonderful isn't it um you know she's done, you know, done a beautiful cover and beautiful uh, illustrations inside the book um, which uh, to me have exactly the right, the right tone for the story. Um, that's all, you know, that's all thanks to, to Little Island, uh, the, the publishers of the book who, uh, you know, that, that is a, that is their creativity and, you know, that, that, their their kind of editors and publishers art that is, that, that has made that connection. Um, so, you know, I, I take no credit for that whatsoever.
1: And did you um, work well together?
0: Yeah. I mean, Anna lives, um, along which she lives in uh, Vietnam and, uh, I think I'm right in saying. Uh so, so I haven't we haven't ever met, but but um but there was a lot of kind of uh, again kind of mediated by Little Island, a like, lot, you know, conversation between me and Anna and and um the, the Little Island team. Uh, you know, there was a, a conversation between all of us uh which went went back and forth a lot about the illustrations. So I think I mean I, I think it comes through in the way the books turned out that um there you you can see that that it's not a kind of. It's, it doesn't feel to me like a, actually a superficial relationship between words and pictures. It feels like they're very knitted together, and that is yeah, you know, that is a a kind of um, an effect of having you know talked quite a lot about it and and um, you know been kind of sent things back and forth and and
1: just just working it together. And Deirdre, you've probably found it is you have to have that sort of partnership to make the illustrations work.
2: Um not necessarily like not like I get on very very well with Karen Vaughan who um who does my illustrations and uh like like Sam um like I was paired with her by um Little Island well like with Rania Clear who was working with Little Island at the time was kind of she had a bank of artists and illustrators that she was kind of watching and looking for projects that would be a good fit. And she showed me Karen's work very early on, um, and thought that she would be a good match. And um, while there was a little bit of back and forth, I was very keen, um, with Tangleweed and Brown, which I suppose would have been our most, um, kind of, I suppose, our deepest collaboration, um, in that, like, she kind of had a picture for each story in that book. Um, like I was keen that she wouldn't be hampered artistically either. Um, so while there would be like a couple of notes, like at one stage, um, you know, she'd drawn a, a thin woman, whereas like the the woman in the story was um fat. So I wanted, you know, I wanted the girl in the illustration to be larger. You know, there were like little things like that, mm-hmm. but I was very keen for her stories to be, you know, kind of almost retellings of my retelling, and that like her artistic sensibility not to be like hampered in any way. And I think that um. That freedom like was um like I mean her work is breathtaking. I'm I'm amazed by Karen. Like she's wonderful.
1: And in terms of your writing routine, guys, what how do you approach it? Do you both write full time every day or or how do you do it, Sam? What do you do?
0: <laughs> I mean, this question it, it would I would have answered it differently a couple of years ago, I think. Um, as as every question about everyone's routine is probably now a bit a bit different. Um I mean, no, I have a full-time job. I have uh you know, life life feels quite busy to me and, and writing is just, just part of that. And I mean I think I think one thing um one cut in a way it's quite good, I think. Like one effect of kind of getting older and busier as a writer is that um you just have to get it done if you're gonna get it done. Um I you know, the the ideal like advice I think probably my advice to anyone, you know, for what it's worth would be, you know. You need to write every day and you need to have a, ideally have a, have a time of day when you do it. I, you know, it works best for me to write first thing in the day where your head isn't too crammed with other stuff. Um, but really, um, you know, it's just, it's quite a kind of, um, Um, well, I've been, there's a, there's a Seamus Heaney poem where he talks about Goya painting with his fists and elbows. (laughs) And I've been thinking about that quite a lot recently, because it does feel like, you know, it feels like it's a battling through a bit sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, that, that the work, you know, that the writing, you know, it, it kind of, it will be nice to have a kind of big, clean, clear space, um, you know, kind of clean, well lighted space, isn't it, uh, to, to get, to, to work in, but that's not always so. And, um, so, you know, it, it just, it sort of fits in around work and family life as uh, as, as it can, to be honest, for me. Um, but uh, but my ideal is, yeah, get in a couple of hours, um, you know, a couple of hours is amazing at the start of the day. And then, and then the kind of, just the, the project stays alive. Um, uh, another little, uh, a poet, uh, Gail McConnell, who works at, at, at Queens with me, um i heard her say the other week um just just touch the work every day Mm. um even if you can't do more than that and um that feels very true to me you know that that just that there's you know you you can't always be kind of charging forward full pelt but you can always just be be touching the work and and kind of keeping it keeping that kind of circuit going
1: and deirdre what about you
2: yeah i mean in an ideal world and we do not live (laughs) let this be established. In an ideal world, um, I think that my writing day would look like three three solid hours on the text that I'm working on, and then kind of a couple of hours of admin and other stuff. Um, you know, kind of research. But um, I I did work full time up until last year. Um. And I'm on a career break now, um, thanks in large part to a bursary from the Arts Council, which I'm hugely appreciative of. Um, The I balance um, writing and kind of motherhood, um, which is like fairly new to me. So I'm still I'm still learning how to do that um, effectively. But at the moment, my writing day is, yeah, it's it's a couple of hours in the morning or a couple of hours in the evening whenever I can grab it um and then kind of you know so either i will get like a solid chunk in the morning and i'll i'll decide whether or not i answer emails or i write the book and then if i get time the evening it's it's again you like you know you weigh up and weigh down whatever is most um pressing at the time and uh yeah but that i love that about touch the work um because that is like that's what that's what keeps you coming back to it isn't it like you know um you need to remember why you write yeah.
0: That's that's it, isn't it? And it just I mean, it's it's sort of I, I always find just that, you know, if, if I miss a day entirely, then it takes another day to get back to where I was. And you know, that that, that if you just kind of keep keep
1: on it, keep keep it kind of
0: in the flow of things. It's, it's,
2: yeah. it, you know.
1: absolutely it's a beautiful a beautiful phrase. So what's next? So Deirdre, you said you're you're coming to the end of a, a contemporary style novel for young adults, is it?
2: Yes, um, it's going to be my next um, it'll be my next young adult book. Um, It's another kind of it's paranormal, but it's a different kind of paranormal this time. Um, And it's quite dark. So I think I'll be, I'm just about to hurt an awful lot of people in it. So um, <laughs> I think I'll be glad, glad, to, glad to say goodbye to it for a little while. <laughs> and what about any books for
1: adults? Are you thinking along that line?
2: Um, you know, like I'm kind of still pottering away at the short fiction, and I think that's kind of that's naturally where my adult voice has kind of found a home. um if I was to get an idea for a book for grown-ups, you know, kind of um i like I probably would take it for a walk if it excited me, but I like at the moment, the next two things that I want to write have a young adult audience um or younger in mind. so and Sam, what are you working on?
0: I'm working on a, a sequel to this book to wolf's tongue at the moment um trying to trying to get it finished um uh, and again I mean sort of I, I owe a lot to uh, to to the guys at little island uh, that when I finished wolf's tongue initially I didn't it hadn't occurred to me that there was sort of more to be done with it but you know they um um Matthew, to at, at little island uh, asked you know is there a, is there a sequel to this and, just being asked it's so a oh yeah, there probably actually is a sequel. <laughs> and um and I mean what one and I'm so so I'm working on that. Uh, it's I've never tried to kind of write a sequel to anything before, but but it was but I've it, it's it's very rewarding in a particular way that, you know, I think often when you get to the end of or when I get to the end of writing a book, um, you know, you feel like Oh, as soon as you end it, you think, okay, now I know how I should have written this book. Like now, <laughs> I finally know how to write it. Like having having got to the end and can't go any further. But I, if I had my time again, I could do it. So, so taking that feeling and putting it into the sequel and thinking, okay, let's let's just unearth everything that I've just kind of in, realized is in here, um, is is very nice to do. Uh, so I'm hoping I can get that done. And and then there's a third there's a third one uh, which I've noticed is there as well. Um, to come after that, I hope. Um, so, there, so there's that, and uh, I, yes, I, I have a book of, of short stories coming out in April, um, which have been, um, again, is is uh, quite like it's quite it's quite a strange thing, really, that they that, you know they're, they're stories that I've been working on. Some of them are ten years old, and some were just finished last month, and they've just you know they've just kind of accrued and then came to look. You sort of as they accrued, you sort, they sort of suddenly. Crystallized as a collection, which kind of made sense and had certain things going on in it, and so it feels actually very a very kind of personal book because you know, although you know, I, I think in in a way more than a novel, perhaps more than some kinds of novel, a book of short stories just to me ends up acting as a kind of a chronicle of um, potentially quite a long period of time over which they were written, and and just you you find what has been going on in your life um, by looking at that uh, the stories that you've been producing. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's, that's great. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Another thing about, yeah, uh, like ongoing, like experience as a writer just seems to, I, I think when, when I was a lot, when I was younger, I always felt like the really tricky thing was to get the ideas, to, to work out what, to, to, to find, find the good ideas and, um, and like know how to handle them. Um, now I feel like ideas, not the problem. Time is the problem, you know, that, that um like the the ideas proliferate and and the the time to write them is the is the really precious
2: commodity
1: well, we're all hoping that you both find lots of time uh, to continue writing in the years to come. Deirdre Sullivan and Sam Thompson, thank you for joining us here on Inside Books and you'll find their books online on littleisland.ie and at your local bookshop now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at Inside Books And Inside Books is a unique media production with research by Cleona Plunkett. And if you would like to hear other episodes, just search for us on the various audio platforms. And don't forget to leave us a rating or review. I'm Brida Brown. Until next time, keep reading.
0: Inside Books is a unique media production.